He gave them dominion. He says, I want you to increase and multiply. I want you to fill the earth, and I want you to subdue it. All right? So um, just on a basic level, God gave human beings authority uh, on planet earth to uh, be his rulers. Mankind was in relationship with God, and authority is always based on relationship. All right? And that's important that we understand that. Authority is based on relationship. These were God's kids, Adam and Eve, and, and uh, they began to increase and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. All right? That was his command to them. He, gave, he authorized them to do that. Would you all agree with me so far? We're tracking together? All right. Psalms, uh, in Psalms 115, it says, The heavens belong to God, but the earth, he has assigned to the children of men. Again, that's just another way of saying what I just already said. That's how the psalmist wrote it. The heavens belong to God, but the earth, contrasting here, but the earth, he, again, it's relational, he has assigned, and if he's assigned, he's authorized. They go hand in hand. He has assigned the earth to the children of men. That's human beings, all right? So human beings are God's authorized agents on planet Earth. Now, we know the story how mankind sinned. Uh, there's so much to all that, but mankind sinned. And something happened. Not only did was there a separation in our relationship or in our fellowship with God because of that, there was a lot of other things that happened. There was loss, all right? Would you all agree? Planet Earth suffered loss. Mankind suffered loss. And not only did mankind, uh, we call it spiritual death. You know, the, you pick up in the New Testament, especially when they're trying to describe the state of a human being apart from faith in Jesus Christ and that renewed uh, relationship with him, we're called dead. We're, uh, you know, the one writer would say, you're dead in your trespasses and sin, all right? So we are spiritually dead. But remember when Jesus uh, went out into the wilderness, fasting for 40 days, 40 nights, angels came and attended him and kept him safe and protected him. And then it says, you know, he was led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, and it says, and he returned after those 40 days, and he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, but while he was out there, he had an encounter with Satan, the devil, who was an archangel who had fallen. You know, there's, we're not going to go through all of that. I think you all know that. But one of the temptations when Satan, the devil, Lucifer, all these different names he's called, came to Jesus. He said to him, in a temptation, he's, he's, he took him up in a spiritual encounter, and it says, it was a vision, and he says, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Now, that's a supernatural thing. And if any of you have ever had a spiritual vision that God gives you, you can understand how that can happen. It's like a download, and you just... You can see or you can know what could take you a whole year to study. It's just, boom, you know it or you see it. Well, God took Jesus into an encounter like that, or, or the devil took Jesus into an encounter like that, and it says he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says all this, when we're talking kingdoms, you understand we're talking authority, right? Kingdom is a governmental word. You have a kingdom, you have a king, and you have generals and so forth. There's, it's a kingdom. He says, all the kingdoms of this world I will give you, Satan told Jesus, for it has been given to me. Now, we can stop there and we can say, well, he was lying because he is the father of lies, right? Or he was speaking a truth there. He was speaking a truth there. <laughs> now, we know, I know we haven't looked at it a lot this morning, but we know that all the kingdoms of the world were given to mankind. 
the heavens belong to God, but the earth and all the kingdoms of the earth were given to man, assigned to man. Where is the devil getting off and saying, all of it's been given to me? Because when Adam, in the very beginning, sinned, he, that's one of the things he lost. He lost authority in the earth realm that he was originally given and that God intended him to live in and exercise. He gave that over to the enemy by how did he do that, we might say. Are you asking that? I'm asking it for you. How did he do that, David? <laughs> he, mankind did that because he believed a lie. He believed Satan's lie over what God had told him. And that's, by the way, is still. It's not a new bag of tricks. It's the same tactic Satan uses today. In your life, your family, in the town of Telluride and wherever, when people believe a lie, they empower the enemy against them. They forfeit the authority that God has given them. All right? So it's important what we believe. It is important. All this I'll give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And, of course, we know Jesus did not do that. Jesus knew he, that authority was coming back to a human being. That's why he became a human being. By the way, God became flesh because the earth was given to human beings. So God says, I'm going to get that authority that mankind lost, the first Adam lost, the second Adam, and the scripture calls him the second Adam for a reason. They're tying in a truth, a picture that God's painting. The second Adam came to regain what the first Adam lost. And it wasn't just man's separation from God, though that was part of it. It was authority in the earth realm. Jesus came as the son of man, that's his human nature, and he regained what the enemy had been given, basically, by mankind through sin. So Jesus did not yield to Satan's temptation. He didn't bow down and worship him. But if we look through the life of Christ, through his example, we see that Jesus began to, he got, the Holy Spirit came upon him, he began his ministry, and he began to function. He, a lot of the things Jesus did prior to the cross, he did in anticipation of the cross. That was nothing due. The Old Testament sacrifices were looking forward to what? The cross, right? That was coming. And that's the same with the life of Christ. Now, we could look at many different scriptures in the New Testament that talk about that Satan and his kingdom was stripped of their authority, not their power. We're going to talk about the difference there. They still have power, but they were stripped of their authority through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The writer in Colossians says that Jesus made a public spectacle of them, the principalities and the powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them through the cross. In Colossians chapter 1, it says that we have been believers, talking about the church, we have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness, out, of the, out from under his authority. We, as believers, have been taken out of that, transferred out of that authority of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's Son, under his authority again. The second Adam came to restore what the first Adam lost. And part of that was the authority in the earth realm. You following with me so far? All right. Now that's the backdrop, kind of the foundation of where I want to go this morning. I'm going to start off in a uh, scripture in Mark, chapter 1. 
verse 21. It says, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum, and when the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority. Un quite unlike the teachers of religious law. And suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Now, if they recognized his ability to destroy them, they were recognizing some authority, weren't they? And by the way, the answer to that question is, you better believe it. <laughs> Have you come to destroy us? The answer is, absolutely yes. I have. You notice, you can almost, reading that story, you can feel the fear they must have felt. <laughs> they were terrorized, weren't they? Because here was a human being, God in the flesh, God who became flesh and dwelt among us, who was walking in authority because he was sinless. The Bible says Jesus was sinless. Satan had no place in him, no authority over him. He hadn't opened any doors for the enemy in his life. And he was walking in authority, and they were trembling. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus cut him short. Be quiet and come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him an amazement gripped the audience. And they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. And the news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. Authority had come to earth again in Jesus Christ, the second Adam. He's also called the last man in the New Testament. Something is going on. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Have you come to destroy us, these spirits in a different kingdom, a different realm of authority, began to, have you come to destroy us? And the answer is yes. You know, the, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but did you know the New Testament says that as believers in Christ that we have been endued? Everyone say endued. We don't use that word a lot. What does that mean? We have been endued with power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us. He said, you shall be endued with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Some translations take that word endued and they write it clothed. Now in 1 John 3, verse 8, it says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested. We, just read, we were just reading a part of his manifestation there, right? When he was in the synagogue ministering with authority. He said, 1 John 3, 8, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy. Have you come to destroy us? John, in 1 John 3, 8, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. So the answer was, you better believe it. I'm here to destroy you. I'm here to destroy the works of your kingdom, your boss, the devil, and all the other minions <laughs> that are part of that kingdom. I'm here to destroy that. And the word in the Greek there is, are you here to, uh, or, uh, he was manifested to destroy, that's the word undo the works of the evil one. All right? So, Kenneth?
Come on up here, would you? We're going to have a hanging. I mean, we're going to have a demonstration. <laughs> that did it. That sealed it, man. All right. If Kenneth is here and I'm, I'm a bad guy here. All right. We got a bigger rope. <laughs> all right. Would you all say that he's tied up? All right. I could say I'm not here, but that gives me some authority over him because of what I just did to him. I have some control over him. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine I've tied this in a knot. He can't break free. That gives me some control over his life, right? He's tied up. And he might be in a restaurant. He might be in a meeting like this on Sunday morning in church. He might be working out on a house, building a house, doing a remodeling project. He might be driving a truck for the city, plowing. He might be working, you know, as a salesman on a car lot. But he's bound up. And he will remain bound up until something comes along and unties him. Until someone who is endued with power comes along and undoes, undoes the work of the enemy. That's what word destroys the work of the enemy, right? Now he's liberated to go back and sit in his seat in the back there. He, he's, he's just experienced some freedom. But the truth of the matter is, a lot of times we're waiting on God to do certain things, and God has already commissioned and authorized us, and he's waiting on us to do something. Do you realize there are people bound around you all the time, and they will remain bound until you do something about it? You say, well, I'm, I'm asking God to do something about it. He ain't going to do nothing about it. You see, he's authorized you to do something about it. You realize we can pray over certain situations for years and never get results? But if we will step into our authority that's been given to us and exercise that authority, results will follow. Because we're asking him to do something he's already told us to do. He's told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, is he going to go do that? He's that's something he's waiting on us to do, right? We have a choice to believe his word and obey that and go preach the gospel. He's told us to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Is he just going to lay hands on the sick or is he waiting for us to lay hands on the sick? So all these people who are bound with different shackles, whatever that may be, they may be bound with sickness and disease. They may have demonic depression. They may have pain from an injury. They may be caught in addictions and sins and uh, caught in the grip of bitterness and hate and anger and jealousy and racism and all these things we can say they're bound up, aren't they? They've believed lies in different areas of their life. And they've lost, they've forfeited the authority that Jesus wants them to walk in because of what they believe. And that's why we have been sent to tell people about the authority of God's Son. It's called the kingdom of God. Remember the disciples went out to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus preached it. John the Baptist preached it. We preach it. We tell people there's a new sheriff in town. His name's Jesus. The Son of Man has come to earth. And all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Didn't Jesus say that? After the cross? All the authority of the, all the kingdoms of the world that Satan was said, I'll give this to you if you bow down and worship me. No. Jesus was going to the cross. And when he defeated Satan and that kingdom and ascended on high, Scripture says he was raised up far above Talking authority. 
He was raised up far above all principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And he, makes, and he made the statement, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. Therefore, you go. In other words, I'm delegating it to you now. Because I'm going, and I, Scripture says, when he was raised up far above all of that kingdom and that authority, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And that's where he is right now. And Scripture says he's waiting there. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. When is that going to happen? How is that going to happen? It also says, you read in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, it says, when Christ was raised up far above all of that and sat down under the right hand of the Father, it says, and we also, Paul writing to the believers, he says, and we have been raised up together with him to sit together with him in heavenly places. Did you realize that's positionally in God's eyes, in God's viewpoint, in God's truth, that's where you are as a believer of Jesus Christ. You're seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, sitting with Jesus Christ far above all that kingdom of darkness. In other words, another way of saying that is you have authority. We have authority that we don't realize how much authority we have. You realize that Jesus Christ, it's always been, always will be, it's because of his nature, his heart, He's always wanted to rule and reign with us, not apart from us. We're called, would you agree, are we not the bride of Christ? And it's a king and a queen ruling and reigning together. It's not him ruling by himself. It's us ruling together with him. And as the body of Christ is believers in Jesus, we have to come to recognize and understand that we have authority. And we need to learn to exercise it. A lot of things happen on earth because you and I allow it to happen. Not because it's God's will. Jesus made the statement, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What's that? That's authority. If you can bind or loose, you have authority, right? That's speaking about authority. And it's speaking about us human beings. The earth has been given to us, assigned to us. It's talking about you on earth. I'm in heaven, you on earth. Whatever you, earthlings, who I have deputized and authorized, whatever you bind, restrict, don't allow, on earth shall not be allowed in heaven. Whatever you loose, set free, allow, on earth shall be allowed in heaven. That's talking partnership, and it's talking authority that you and I carry. Now, there is a difference between authority and power. Um, I want to look in Luke chapter 10. Are you getting anything out of this? Jesus is talking. He had just sent 72 disciples out. 72 followers of his, he sent them out. He told them, I want you to do, I'm going to make it real simple to you. I want you to tell people my authority is here. 
another way of saying, tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. Tell them there's a new sheriff in town. Tell them there's a new government. <laughs> he says, go do that, and then heal the sick and cast out demons. I'm authorizing you to do that. That's what he told them. We're going to pick up the story, and they actually they went out and they did that. All right. Actually, let me read it to you. Look in the very first, uh, Luke 10, 1. It says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. And I'm going to jump on down to verse 9. He says, Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. And then we're going to skip on down. Verse 17, when the 72 disciples returned, they, they went out and they did that. When they returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. So when we talk about authority in the earth realm, we talk it's connected to the name of Jesus, all right? So important we understand that. It's connected to his name. And, and he says, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. And he said, yes. Yes, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. You believe that? What did he say? He says, I've given you authority. Over all the power. Now, those are two different words. He says power and authority are two different words in the Greek because they're different things. He says, I've given you authority. That means, that's exousia. In the Greek, it means the ability, the right. All right? I've given you the right. I've authorized you. I've deputized you. you have, I put you in charge, in other words. I've given you the authority over all the dunamis power. That's the ability. That's where we get our word dynamite. Boom. That's power, right? He says, the enemy has power. He says, but I give you authority over that power. And there's a principle here is that superior authority always outranks superior power. Superior authority always rules over superior power. Take a police officer who wears a badge and works for the government, the kingdom of a land. They've been deputized. That's a, they've been authorized. And that badge is a symbol of that. And the government stands behind them. And when they hold their hand up and say, stop, in the name of the law, you better stop. Because if you don't, the SWAT team, the this team, and this team is coming after you. In other words, that person has been authorized, right? Now, the power, they may be standing in the middle of a six-lane uh, six highway in cars with a lot of horsepower going, zooming back, has more power than that policeman standing in that street and could crush him. But superior authority rules the day when he's standing out there deputized over superior power. You have superior authority. Because you're operating in the name that is above all other names. <laughs> Scripture says. You have been given the name of Jesus. You have superior authority. So he says, I'm giving you authority over all the dunamis power of the enemy. And he goes on and he used metaphorically about scorpions and serpents. And he says, you'll crush them with this authority. You have the ability, you have the right, I'm putting you in charge to crush them. Now, y'all following me? Did you realize you can have a $100 bill stuffed in your coat pocket and walk around? 
and wish you could go down to the Phoenix Bean and get you some coffee, but you look in your wallet and there's no money there, you say, I can't buy me coffee today. But what you don't know is you've got a $100 bill hidden in your pocket from last year. Someone gave you that. And you just forgot it was there or you didn't realize it was there. For whatever reason, it's there, but you don't know it. And that's the way we are sometimes with the authority Jesus has given us. It doesn't do us any good unless we know we have it and believe it. You have to know it, you have to believe it, and you have to use it. You following me? Now this pipe here, and this is called a ball valve. If I hook this up and plumb this, and I ran some water through this, PSI they call it, pressure, right? Power. Represents power. And if you don't believe it, get hit by, you know, uh, open up a, a hydrant out there that the fire department uses and blast you with it. You'll feel the power of it. The more PSI, the more power. There can be a lot of power in there. Trapped. The valve closed. You have to open the valve to release the power. You are a carrier of God's power. If the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, you have some power. But it's trapped inside of you until you release it. And that's part of what I'm here to do today, is to help us learn. It's wonderful we have all this power. What are we doing with it? We have to get the power to the need. We have to release that power. How are we going to do that, Tim? We're going to open the valve. And when we do that, power that contained in this line is released to where it needs to go. You and I carry the power of God in us. And we have to learn to open the valve and release what's on the inside of us. How do we do that? What's involved in releasing the power of God? What are these? You'll never look at yourself the same way again. You know how these work? Put too well. We're going to say we're going to say this is a battery. What's in that battery? Power. Now I've had a lot of batteries that. Our place, we have a lot of vehicles there and, and dead batteries. Or weak batteries. And they won't start. They won't get moving. Just like some people. They're dead or they're weak for various reasons. And they need a shot of power. You and I are the battery, all right? We're this battery. We're containers of the power and presence and glory of God. We need to get this power that's on the inside of us, that ball valve, we need to open it. How do we do that? We need connection. Everyone say connection. We need connection. Want to hold these? All right. Let's say that's a human being there. And they need some power. They need a touch from God. In order for that power to get from you to that human being, you have to connect with them. 
That's going to happen in a lot of different ways. I, two weeks ago, I taught you on how to do some of that when we talked about overcoming hurdles to the healing ministry, releasing God's healing power. You have to learn to connect with people. And there's different ways we do that. Love is the foundation of all that, all right? Love opens that, opens people's hearts, right? The more they know you love them, the more they're willing to listen. They're willing to let you have authority, or we might say access into their life because they feel loved. Instead of them closing off and saying, no, you cannot connect with me. No, you cannot pray for me. No, no, no. Love will overcome that, right? So we persist in, in love because we're after, we, we need to make a connection. And that's what laying on of hands is about, by the way, too. When we lay hands on people, it's not just a formality. It's not just a religious thing. We've grown up in church, and we get around, we hold hands, and we pray in a circle, or, or, you know, we just put our hand on someone when we pray for them. Unfortunately, it has been watered down to where it doesn't have much meaning anymore. But when you lay hands on someone, this is the way it's supposed to be. You're making a connection for results. You're connecting to release something. You're connecting for effect. All right? And faith makes that connection. You believe God, and therefore you obey Him, and you lay hands on. When you lay hands on someone, I want you to begin to think about this. I want you to begin to see that maybe differently than you have. If you're ministering to a sick person or a, someone who has demonic issues or whatever the issue is in their life, and you go to lay hands on them, you need to have this image of what's happening. When you lay hands on, you're connecting. You're taking these two things, and you're connecting what's in you to them, and you're releasing God's power and presence and glory, all right? Laying out of hands is a point of contact. That's really all it is. But it has to be activated by faith. Faith activates the power of God. Faith is what causes us to move in the authority of God. Authority, you can possess authority, but it is ineffective until you believe you have it and exercise it. You have to exercise it. You have to exercise the authority. What else do I have in here? Oh, yeah. What's this? It's a light switch. What, if you understand electricity, there's wires running here, and it's carrying current, isn't it? It's called power. Dunamis, we might call it. But do you realize that dunamis just sits in that line? The room is still dark. People are experiencing darkness in their life. That tells you, the one who's been authorized, comes over and says, that was awesome. That was really cool. <laughs> the kingdom of God is at hand. And you, through faith, flip the switch. And the light comes on. And the power that was contained releases light where there was darkness. And people enter into the light. Because you chose. To do what you've been authorized to do. Because you made the decision. You took the responsibility to do and exercise what you've been authorized to do. Because authority carries responsibility as well. And we do have a responsibility to release 
his presence, to release his power, to exercise authority. And faith will activate that. Many, many years ago, I used to teach in a, uh, from time to time, uh, I would teach spiritual uh, truths, kind of like I'm doing here, but in a, in a school, a Christian school. Sometimes they'd have a chapel service, and sometimes I would minister in that. One day, I was teaching on the name of Jesus to them, and I was trying to teach them about authority like we're talking about today. And I was asking God, God, how can I help these kids understand what this means, authority, and the name of Jesus, the authority in the name? And I heard the Lord say to me when, to explain it this way. When you use the name of Jesus, that's like saying, be healed in Jesus' name. Is Another way of saying that is, be healed. I command you to be healed because Jesus told me I could. The name of Jesus because Jesus told me I could. I've been authorized. We taught the kids that that morning, and we just had a wonderful little, little mini revival broke out. Kids were getting healed. I'd have them come up, and they'd exercise that and demonstrate that, and one kid's back would get healed, and this other kid. It's like the whole day went on. They were just healing the sick all day the rest of the day that day. It was just an incredible thing to see. And it came through a simple revelation of, I have the right to do this. I've been authorized because Jesus said I could. Faith is a key to activating and exercising that authority, and you have the faith to do that. He's given each of us a measure of faith. And I want you to notice here that Jesus said to the disciples, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You know, and another thing, that often hinders us here is we think we have to earn authority. Or we think if we've uh, not obeyed God perfectly, that our authority is weakened. You ever think that? <laughs> or we think, I got to do this, I got to pray so much, I got to memorize so much scripture so I can exercise authority, move in the power realm. Do you realize in the Old Testament, there are different covenants. In, an old, in the Old Covenant, you read in Deuteronomy 28, do you realize that he says, if you obey me, Old Covenant, we, we're not under that. He told them, he says, if you obey me, you'll overcome your enemies. They'll flee from you. All the enemy nations around them, he's talking to the nation. You obey me, this is a result of that. Your enemies will submit to you. You don't obey me, your enemies are going to overcome you. But see, unfortunately, many new covenant Christians operate under that same mindset. They think that if they don't obey God perfectly, they can't exercise authority and release the power of God. And when they do think they've had a good week, oh, I'm doing pretty good compared to, you know, Todd, I've had a pretty good week. Then they're feeling confident that they can move in the authority and power of God. But the truth of the matter is it has absolutely nothing to do with that. Authority is our inheritance. It's not our reward. We have authority because we're children of God. Because we're born again. Because we're in the kingdom of God. Not because we're good or bad. We have authority because of who we are. Children of God. That's good news, isn't it? That's why Jesus could send out disciples like he did. We just read it. Send them out, and they come back, and they've got all these problems. You know, one of them, they're talking about, I'm better than you. I'm going to have the place of honor in the kingdom of God. Or they go to another town, and they're not received well, and they say, God, you want us to call down fire and kill them? I mean, they have some heart issues. But they had authority, and they knew it. <laughs> and they would come back rejoicing, even the demons submit to us in your name. Because the authority is in the name, isn't it? I've shared this before, some of you have heard it, but uh, 
many, quite a few years ago, I had a couple dreams. And in one of those dreams, and I'll just make, summarize them basically, but in one of the dreams, there was my sister was inside of a round corral. On the outside of that corral were the feeding troughs. Some of you have seen corrals built that way, or on the inside were the feeding troughs. So you got the fence, the feeding troughs right up next to the fence, and then my sister was in the middle of that corral. And there was a horse in there, and this horse began to rear up and stomp her, trying to destroy her. I was on the outside of the fence, and I knew I needed to help her. So I was looking for something to hit that horse with and stop this destruction that was going on in her life. And I saw a, like a fence post, and I reached down. And she, by that time, she had ran over, stepped up into the feed trough where the hay goes, and the horse caught her in there and trapped her in there before she could get over the fence and just started stomping her. Well, I reached down, and I grabbed this fence post, and I swung it back like this to hit the horse in the head. And when I did, that horse's face was turned away from me. And when he did, he turned over it. And his eyes were like you'd look in a horror show, demonic, evil eyes. And in the dream, I instantly knew, as happens in dreams, I instantly knew my club, this fence post, was not going to get the job done. So in the dream, I dropped the fence post. And I looked at that horse, and I pointed my finger at him. I said, in the name, and I woke up all of a sudden. My heart's beating. What does that dream mean? Well, I had another dream shortly after that. And in this dream, I was at my high school. And schools, in dreams, especially if it's, well, I don't want to digress, but dreams in school often represent a learning process. You're being educated. And in this dream, I was in my high school parking lot. And I had a hat on my head, and I was walking, and a bully came over and took the hat off my head and would not give it back. It made me mad. So I grabbed him by the shirt collar, and I pulled him up right here. I took my fist, and I swung back, and I hit him as hard as I could right in the nose. Boom! And his head flew back. Like that, and then it came back, and there were those demonic, evil eyes, like in the first dream of the horse. And I hit him again. Boom! I think I did it about three times. And his head would fly back, and he'd ha come back, and he would laugh at me. An evil, evil, taunting laugh. And like in the first dream, I realized this is not going to work. <laughs> I pointed my finger at him like I did in that first dream, and I said, in the name, and I instantly woke up again. What was God teaching me? He was saying, David, there are some things in life that you'll encounter that human, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Sounds like Ephesians 6, right? Put on the full armor of God. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And he was teaching me that your victory and your authority lies in my name. And when you speak the name, it's over. It's a done deal. That's where it lies. The authority that you and I carry but we have to know that, we have to believe that, and we have to exercise that. I like in Luke chapter 8, you know, where there was a, de a man who had, was just full of all kinds of demons. And it says that the demons begged Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? The demons begged, begged, begged Jesus not to send them out, away, cast them out. They wanted to remain, and that's where he let them go into some pigs and, and 
2,000 pigs ran down a hill and, and drowned in the water and all that? Well, I was reading that one time. Actually, I was driving down the road, Highway 145. I was actually on my way to Cortez one morning. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, David, demons are on begging terms with you. And he brought that scripture to my mind. You know, that's true. And they're on begging terms with you too. Why? Because you have some spiritual calling or spiritual gift or you know, you know so much Bible or why? I'll tell you why, because you're a child of God. And you've been transferred out of the authority of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And therefore you go and I go. We carry that authority. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He delegated that authority. And therefore Paul could take a scripture like in Ephesians 4.27. I think it is, Ephesians 4.27. He says, give no place to the devil. Well, if we can give place to the devil, that must mean we have authority. We can permit or not permit. We can give place or not give place. That's talking about authority, right? And Paul's saying to the believers in his city, like he's saying to the believers in Telluride, wherever you're from, he says, don't give him a place. You have authority to, to not allow that. Don't allow it. Don't give the devil a place. And specifically, in that instance, one of the ways he was saying don't do that is through allowing anger to lead you to sinful behavior. <laughs> but the bottom line is you have authority over him. And Peter, well, that, that was Paul. We heard Jesus. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and these signs of authority will follow you. You'll cast demons out. You'll heal the sick. That was Jesus. We saw in Luke 10 where he says, all, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. We saw Paul. What's Peter have to say about this? 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, your enemy, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, standing steadfast in your faith. Faith activates the resistance. That's authority. If you can resist a powerful being like Satan, and believe me, he has power, if you can resist him, you have superior authority. He's saying, stand up to him. Stand your ground, soldier. Ever seen movies like that? They're out there fighting. And some of the soldiers are, you know, it's almost like they're overcome and they want to flee and turn. And the commander says, stand your ground, soldier. And they have to plant their feet and they face the enemy. They don't back up. That's what Peter is saying. He's saying, stand your ground. Resist the enemy. Stand your ground. Resist your enemy. James. So we looked at Peter. What does James, the apostle James, say about this? You look in the book of James, he says, he'll write it like this, James 5, 7, he says, Resist, there it is again, exercise your authority, stand your ground, stand face to face against your enemy, resist the devil and he will flee. That's authority. That's like Luke 10, he says, you'll trample, you'll crush scorpions and snakes because of the authority I've given you. You'll trample over them. Stand your ground, Christian soldier. Exercise your authority over the enemy, and he will flee from you. The word flee means to run, as in terror. 
There was a man, a, a prophetic man, uh, he, he's gone on to heaven, but he had a vision one time where uh, the Lord Jesus came and, and appeared to him. It, took, it was a long vision, a long encounter with the Lord for about an hour and a half, and Jesus was talking to him about the demonic realm and authority that Christians have. And in this encounter, uh, it was getting towards the end of it, and in this experience in the spirit realm, whatever you want to call it, here Jesus is before him, talking to him, explaining things to him. And a little demon, looked kind of like a monkey or a little elf, came and got between this man and Jesus and started jumping up and down and released a cloud. It was a black cloud where he couldn't see Jesus anymore. And he started going, yakety yak, making all this noise. He's wondering, I'm missing what Jesus is saying. I've got to hear what he's saying. This is important. And he's thinking in his mind, why doesn't Jesus do something about this? I don't understand. Have you ever said that in life situation? I don't understand why God is allowing this. Why doesn't God do something? And in this vision, he's saying, well, I don't understand why. And finally, he just got so irritated. He, he was exasperated, and he said, In the name of Jesus, get! And a little cloud disappeared, and the demon hit the ground and began to wall her up. Get! And Jesus told him, in this experience, told the man, he says, If you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. And the guy says, no, no, hold on, Jesus. I think I misunderstood you. You said if I hadn't done something about that, you wouldn't have, right? And Jesus said, no. I said, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. They debated back and forth on this issue several times in this experience. And finally, Jesus told him, I said, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. What was that vision teaching him? We looked at scriptures here. We've looked at quite a few of them. And we see that mankind has been given authority. It's like telling my kids to clean up their room. I'm authorizing them. I'm giving them a command, an order to obey. Well, if I go in that room and it's not cleaned up, you better believe I'm not going to do it. It's their room. I told them to do it. And they're going to learn that lesson. And God has given you and me authority. And we can beg and plead and ask him to step in and do things, and it's not going to happen until we learn to exercise authority over the enemy and do it ourselves. We're not commanding God. We're co-laboring with him. And we're taking authority over that yakety-yak demon in his name. We point our finger and say, in the name of Jesus. Now, you look at the life of Jesus. Do you realize that there is no place in the New Testament where you and I, as New Testament believers, are told to ask God to do anything about the devil? But the scriptures are full of places where we are told to do something about the devil. Well, if we want results like they had, we need to operate like they did. Do you realize that I don't see any place in Scripture where Jesus healed the sick by asking God the Father to heal them? But instead, what do you see? Jesus always healed the sick by commanding something to happen. He always exercised authority through a command. He'd look at a blind eye and he'd say, See! Deaf ears, be open to a crippled person. Rise up and walk. To a crippled arm, stretch forth thy hand. To a dead person, little girl, I say, get up. Because that's how authority works. And Jesus healed the sick by exercising authority, and that's the way you and I are to do it. We're not to beg God. 
He wants to do it more than we do. We exercise authority. We make connection. We looked at the demonstrations I gave today. So that power can flow, we release authority. New Testament, you look through the book of Acts, how did the disciples do it? Acts chapter 3, you got a lame man begging. He's at the temple. Peter and John come up to him and they say, silver and gold, that he wanted money. He says, silver and gold we don't have right now. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, authority, rise up and walk. How did they pray for the sick? By issuing commands. You have the, uh, uh, was it uh, Paul, I think, in, uh, I don't remember right now, Acts 17, I believe. He's ministering, he's teaching, and it says there was a man lame in his feet from birth. And it says Peter looked at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. So what did Peter do? Obey God? He said, no. In the name Authority of Jesus Christ, rise up. And he reached down and picked him up and walked. That's the way the early church ministered healing. I'm tying this into two weeks ago when we ministered about overcoming hurdles to healing ministry. If you and I will learn to minister to sick people the way Jesus and the early disciples ministered, we'll have much better results. Instead of praying long, lengthy prayers and begging God, trying to talk God into doing something, we issue commands. Oral Roberts had a great healing ministry. Some people don't like him. I don't care what your opinion is of him, but he had results. I watched hours and hours of footage of a lot of the healing evangelists from the 50s and so forth. Saw incredible miracles. And Oral Roberts had incredible miracles, too. I saw them with my eyes on films and stuff. He made the comment one time, he says, I don't, I've never prayed for more than 15 seconds for a sick person. What had he learned? He learned how to exercise authority. He learned that he wasn't begging God, trying to get God to do something. He learned that he was authorized to do something. And that authority was in the name of Jesus, and he would issue commands to sick people, to blind eyes, and deaf ears, and mutes, and cripples. And the government backed him up, the government of God, the kingdom of God. So I'm here today to encourage you and to help train you, encourage myself, we're all in this together. Let's begin to minister like Jesus ministered. And when, we, when it comes time to minister to the sick people, people with needs, when we, we sang about let the love of God flow, let's take them battery cables and realize we're making a connection here, we're going to issue a command of faith, and we're going to exercise some authority. We're going to speak to disease like Jesus spoke to disease. We're gonna, Jesus spoke to, let's see, he spoke to deaf ears, he spoke to blind eyes. He spoke to tongues. He spoke to leper uh, skin diseases. Uh, he spoke to dead people. He spoke to wind. He spoke to waves. He spoke to trees. Are we getting it? Where does the authority lie? In speaking. In speaking, exercising authority. All right, so we're going to land this plane here, and we're going to do some demonstration here. So not only do we make this connection, wrap this up here. Not literally, I won't get the rope out again, Kenneth, you're safe. So we've got the light switch, all kinds of power behind that switch. In order to turn the lights on, in order to bring people from darkness to light, you've got to flip the switch. And by the way, when you flip a switch in here, something's happening inside this little thing. You can't see it. It's all in case there's connection made, like laying on of hands like the battery cable. That's all you're doing. You're making connection. 
faith will activate that. When you step out in faith, the power, the PSI, all that pressure, all that power, that force behind this is released out of you and out of me when we, by faith, exercise authority and release that power. When you and I love people who need their battery charged, they're sick, they're diseased, they're injured, their addictions, they're, lot, they're, they're bound to addictions, they have heart issues, they have a broken heart that needs healed, they have mental issues. When we take the power that's inside of us, make the connection with them through love, through kindness, through goodness, through reaching out to them, through laying out of hands, through speaking the word, through obedience to God, whatever he would say to do. That's really the key, isn't it? Whatever he says do. <laughs> Remember his mom told the others, you know, if he says fill, the, fill these jars with water, go fill them. Do whatever he says. That's the key. Whatever God, the Holy Spirit tells you to do, do it. But we make the connection with people, and the power of God flows and gives them the recharge, brings what is dead to life again, gets them moving again, gets them doing what they were made to do, helps them be who God's created them to be. You with me? All right. We just, well, I could go on and on. I need to wrap it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> so you have a choice now. You can take this little nugget that you've heard today, this teaching, and you can stick it in your coat pocket and forget you have it. And it won't benefit you and it won't benefit anyone else. Or you can remember, I've got that $100 bill in my coat pocket. I've got this revelation of the authority and power of God. And I'm going to take it out. I'm going to spend it. I'm going to use it. It's my birthright. It's my inheritance as a child of God. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to fast and pray to get it. It's mine because I'm born again. Amen? Amen. All right. So let's stand, if you would, please.